0: In the name of the Father, of the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. and bless the fruit of thy name, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, to the hearts of your faith, and kind within is the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, instruct the hearts of your faith, or by the light of the Holy Spirit, Granted by the same Spirit, may be truly wise and have in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Lady Guadalupe, Saint Joseph, Father Lanteri, Saint Lucy, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good afternoon. So when Moses came down from the top of the mountain, you noticed that they were worshipping a golden hat golden calf. And that was idolatry. So over the past couple of weeks we've been giving a modern interpretation of the golden calf. The modern interpretation of the golden calf is basically this. The nature of an idol is whenever we place any Person, place, or thing above God. I say, modern definition coined by Father Broom. Okay, if you put any person, place, or thing above God, that is the nature of what an idol is. So, the first and greatest of the commandments, Jesus said, is we're called to love God with all of our heart, mind. Soul and strength, and then to love our neighbors ourself. Luke chapter 10, taken from the great Shema of Deuteronomy. Jesus says to love God with all of your, all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So given that we have a very erudite group here in St. Peter's Chanel, I thought that I would give you somewhat of a philosophical interpretation of idolatry By what are called the isms. I'm giving you the isms. Okay? So we skipped a couple of weeks. Maybe your, your memories are somewhat dusty. You forgot what we're talking about. Okay? We talked about materialism. You place material things above God. And materialism spawns or engenders what is called consumerism. So you got money, then you can buy. And you can consume. Consumerism usually leads to hedonism. Hedonism means it's the philosophy of pleasure. It's Miller time. Okay, Eat, drink, and be merry, live it up, have fun. And then we have atheism, which is the categorical denial of God's existence. There's what is called practical atheism and dogmatic atheism. If you read Karl Marx Das Kapital, who is the founder of modern atheism, he calls religion the opium of the people. But then there's what is called practical atheism. And I don't know if you've ever met a practical atheist. Did you ever look in the mirror? (laughs) Ever look in the mirror in the morning? Well, we're all practical atheists, at least temporarily, because we don't always live up to the high calling of being a follower of Christ. So these are many of the philosophical isms that we've been going through. And we've gotten through close to half of them. The last one that we touched was um, pantheism, remember? You probably already forgot because it's two weeks, but pantheism is... Pantheism is this, I gave a talk this morning online, I'm trying to beg for the grace to see God present in creation, and the beauty of creation, but we really can't say that God is creation, that would be pantheism, but rather God is the creator and creation comes from God. Because if we say that creation, creation is God, that's an error. God is not dependent upon creation, but creation is dependent upon God, right? (laughs) So God is, God is not dependent upon creation, but rather creation, creation is dependent upon God. Even before the world exists, God was self-contained and God was totally happy and complete even before he created the world in which we're living. But as Aquinas says, love is expansive. Love wants to share itself with the beloved, right? That's Aquinas. Love is expansive. It wants to share itself with the beloved. So God loving us he brought us into existence so that He can share His life with us, and that starts with our creation. But especially once you're baptized and you actually become, you become a son or daughter of God. So, if you um, if you go back to Mexico 500 years ago, before Our Lady Guadalupe, basically the Mexicans they're pantheists. Okay? Most of you are Mexican origin. Well, the 500 years ago, because the Aztecs would adore the sun and the sky and the stars and the moon, they would actually see them as God himself. And that's a type of pantheism. It's a type of idolatry. And we don't deny that God's God's beauty is reflected in creation, but it's separate from it. And I like to repeat that creation does not depend upon God, but God... God does not depend upon creation, but creation depends upon God. Got that? Are you following me? See, Pavia. Okay, good. Let's move on. So, from pantheism, we move on to the next. You all have your worksheet and your thinking cap on. We have... Okay, nihilism. What is nihilism? Have any of you read some of the French existential atheistic thinkers of the 1900s? No? Well, the most famous, if you have a degree in philosophy, is Albert Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre. And nihilism is basically, life really has no meaning. And I would say the the, the, mod, the modern young people today are, are nihilists, even though they don't know what it means. no Nihilism means life really doesn't have any meaning. The net result of nihilism is commit suicide. Yep. How many young people commit suicide today? Very common. Very common nihilism among young people. Life doesn't have any meaning. You know what they'll say? Whatever. In Spanish, que me importa. Hmm? Whatever. Que me importa. That's a nihilistic attitude. And we really believe that life does have meaning. Have you ever heard the spiritual exercise of Saint Ignatius? Right? We are, we have meaning in life. We are created to praise God, to reverence God, to serve God, so that we can get to heaven. That's the meaning of our existence. So that's diametrically opposed. That's diametrically opposed to nihilism. Principle and foundation. One of the first things I learned in catechism was why are we here? We're here to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life, to be happy with him in heaven. I learned that 60 years ago when I was the age of your little kids. I never forgot it. We're here to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life, so as to be happy with him in heaven. Amen? Amen. That's worthy of memorizing. We're here to we're here to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life so as to be happy with him forever in heaven. Okay, so nihilism you would define as life is life has no meaning. You know uh, in, uh, I, I learned a lot of my Spanish in, in Argentina. They have different expressions than the Mexicans. They say, La vida es una broma de mal gusto. That's a good one. I never heard a Mexican say that, baby. Huh? La vida es una broma de mal gusto. Any of you good with Spanish? Una broma de mal It's a. It's a, um, it's a sour joke. That would be the translation of it. Una broma di mal gusto. It's a sour joke. That's, that would be nihilistic. Nihilistic. La vida es una, una broma di mal gusto. It's a sour joke. No? Ugly joke. No? Okay, so we're going through these philosophical systems which are mo- modern manifestations of idolatry. I think if you can get a handle on this, you basically have the pulse of modern society. If you can get a handle on most of these philosophical systems. And I'll give you an AA degree in philosophy afterward, okay? (laughs) All right, let's move on. Next would be that of eroticism. And eroticism is somewhat related to what we studied before, Hedonism. But it's, um, one of the modern gods in the world in which we live is the god of sex. Okay. When you hear the word eroticism, right away you think about sexuality. But you know, technically, if you go through the definitions of love according to the Greeks, the, Greek, the Greeks actually have four words for, for love. And that would be philia, storge, uh, eros, and agape. And Pope Benedict XVI, in his document on love, speaks about erotic love. If it's manifest between a husband and wife, it's good because that's the way you bring babies into the world. Okay, you hear me? Yes. Husband and wife, that have sex and they have a baby. That's that's good. You no, know? in the context of marriage. But if it's expressed outside that context, then you fall into the God of called eroticism, the god of sex. Okay? So everything has to be done in this proper 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 time and proper place. So let's move on. We have a lot to cover in a relatively short time. And it's alcoholism. Uh oh, woda. That's a biggie, isn't it? All of us here in this room have been influenced either personally or by someone who know, we know that has had problems with, uh, with drinking. Hmm? We probably know someone, maybe our father, maybe our uncle, maybe a brother, maybe a husband, maybe your oldest son has problems with, uh, with drinking. Hmm? Now different than the Protestants, the Protestants, the uh, mainline Protestants, say that drinking is a sin, but we really, as Catholics, we don't believe that drinking is a sin. You hear me? Uh, for example, I, I don't drink that much, but on like Thanksgiving or I'll go out with my parents, I'll get a cabernet or I'll get a merlot. I like red wine, but you know maybe I'll drink that maybe maybe five or six times a year. No. And I'll drink one glass. So I, I, I I've never gotten drunk in my life, and I don't think I will, no? Uh, but if if it's such that you, you drink one, then you have to drink another, then you have to drink another, then you have to drink another, before you know it, you're you're drunk, then you shouldn't drink. <laughs> you hear me? Yes. But if it's uh if it's if it isn't a problem you can sit down and have a glass of wine with your husband or wife, then it's not a sin. You hear me? You, well, where was the first miracle of Jesus? <laughs> first miracle was Jesus he turned water into wine. So so what I'm saying, different than the Protestants, we don't we don't believe that drinking a wine or maybe a beer uh is a sin. But when you go overboard, then you're in trouble. And if you have, if you have a certain amount of alcohol, alcoholism in your family, it tends to run in your family, you know, we're all free, but you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. How many car accidents come during this time of the year from Thanksgiving all the way up until the middle? This is the time when you have most car accidents because people are drinking and driving. They say they're drinking and driving, they don't mix, okay? So just be aware of that uh, if you you or your husband have a certain tendency to go go overboard. And the problem is, sometimes when you go to La Pechanga, La Fiesta, probably when you go, you know, if you're at home, no problem. But you go with your friends, you're in a party, they're all drinking, and they're dancing, and there's some exotic music there, and your friend is there saying, come on, just have another one. We're all weak. And they'll say in Spanish, come on, just, échate uno, échate uno, no sé, no sé, mandilón. long, they say in Spanish, right, in Mexican Spanish. Échate uno nomás, no, ma, no sé, mandilón, Mama, vámonos, boy, bucacita, no? I mean, those are the things that the machos say, you no? Know? I know Spanish pretty well, right? <laughs> well, that's what they say. And we don't want to cave in to, to peer pre- peer pressure. We we tend to we tend to carry out certain things in a group that we wouldn't do maybe in the family setting right John see yes. si, okay good so alcoholism is a reality it's a reality same thing with for example is uh, is uh, is gambling a sin is gambling a sin. Okay, if you go, if you go to the, the casino or Temecula or wherever it is, you go once a year and you spend a hundred bucks, okay. Okay. But if you go once and you want to go again and again, you know, people, people lose their, they, they, they lose their homes because they're gambling away their lives. So you have to, you have to recognize, you have to know your, your kryptonite, your weak point. I think it's best not to gamble, just just not to go anywhere, because you could be opening up the door to the possibility of of an addiction, and then you could you could ruin your whole family, ruin your whole family. I'm sure that they don't they don't hear me over there, but I don't think they're happy with what I'm saying. No. Is don't open up the door to the to to your weak point. Now, sometimes they'll say. In family, in the, in the family, can you, can you gamble maybe with your kids and your family? Mean, when I was a teenager, I'll scandalize you. I'll tell you what I used to do on the weekends. Saturday, I would go with my older brother, my two best friends, and his father. We played nickel and dime, poker. And it always ended this way. My, my friend's oldest, my, my friend's father never went out but he'd always lose. So my older brother would always tell my best friend, invite your father, invite him. I would usually break even. Uh, my brother, who is an orthopedic surgeon, which is expert in math, he'd always win. And my friends, they'd lose or win. So that we we do that on the weekends. And then after that, we would go off and get a pizza. Now how much a slice would be? This in New Jersey, twenty-five cents a slice. Okay. Then after that, we'd play ping pong and we'd bet on the games of ping pong. A little bit of gambling, no? <laughs> we do that every Saturday until I went off to college. It was fun. It was fun. So well, you know, okay, maybe you're losing three dollars. Okay, then when you play ping pong, you won the three dollars. You only spent twenty-five cents in a pizza, so probably at most you maybe be losing two two bucks, no? That was fun. So so something like that, among friends, I don't, that, that's not a sin. Otherwise, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to hit the confessional now. huh? <laughs> so everything in the right, but you go into a place where you're, you're throwing thousands of bucks away to the wind, you're losing thousands of dollars in one night. You could actually lose your whole house in one night. So if you do have that tendency, uh, stay home and pray the rosary with your family. That's better, right? Or watch a Yankee game. you know something something much more much more safe. Or, or come to mass, how about that? come to daily Mass Is't that any, even better? Hello, any Catholics here? Yeah That's even better. All right, so let's move from alcoholism to the gr- to the drug culture. Okay, so let me specify something very, very interesting. What is legal is not always moral. You got that? I repeat, what is legal is not always moral. Now you live in the United States, most of your immigrants from other countries, you chose to come here from the Philippines, from Mexico, from Guatemala, because you believe that this is this, this is the best country to be, to to bring your children up, right? That's why you came here. And I think you made the right decision, okay? Even John even John Paul II praised the American Constitution and the founding father. Did you know that? Hello? John Paul II praised our founding fathers and our constitution. John Paul II was brought up and raised in a communistic country with with Hitler and then the communists came in. So he praised our country. But there are some laws in our country that are wrong. Which would be, first, abortion. Right? Hello? Abortion? I mean, it's legal. It's, okay, we got rid of Roe vs. Wade, but now on the state level, California is the worst, probably the worst state in the country, allowing for abortion. Legalizing same-sex marriage, that's wrong. You're my pon, pon, yvina, vina. What's wrong is wrong. Now, legalizing so that your kids can go downtown and get a pipe and start to smoke marijuana, that's wrong. So most of the law most of the laws in this country, most of the laws are good. Most. Most. Otherwise there there'd be anarchy. But there's some laws in this country that are just wrong. You know, killing a baby's wrong, right? Now, your 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 brother John living with his friend Sam and calling into marriage, that's wrong. You're a 19 year old kid going downtown getting a pipe and getting high on drugs. That's wrong. Hello? Yeah. So it's good that you understand that law, legality and morality is not always the same. Most laws are good, but not always. Okay, most laws are good. But the laws that are, the laws that are wrong, then we don't, we don't obey them. We don't obey laws that are against the laws of God. But civil laws that are good, we obey them. Otherwise, it would be tight, total chaos and anarchy in the society. There have to be laws. Some people say, well, I don't like the church because there are too many rules. Well, there's rules everywhere. Hmm? A, lot say, A lot of people say, I don't like the Catholic Church, too many rules. Well, I'm going through I'm going through one commandment with you, one word, <laughs> in four in four different classes, no? There are rules everywhere. Okay, what would happen? Okay, I decide on the six or five freeway, it says south, but I may drive in the other direction. I, I just feel like doing that tonight. You're gonna be dead? Okay, I decided maybe playing bass with John. I and I don't like John. I think I'll I'll throw a fastball 90 miles prior to his head because I want to, I want to give him a haircut, okay? I can't do that in baseball. I'll be thrown out. If you, if you're trying to learn how to speak English and you don't follow the grammar of English, you're going to sound like Swahili or Japanese the way you speak. So there are grammatical rules in language. There are rules in baseball. There are rules on the highway. Also, God has rules, and the church has to have rules. And wokeism—you've heard of that, right? W- Wokeism—have you heard that? They want to get rid—they want to get rid of all rules, right? It all depends upon how I feel. How I feel—that's what wokeism is. Your kids are being brought up in a wokeistic society, whether you like it or not. You hear me? They're living in a society where where they don't want anyone to tell them to do anything. In other words, discarding all the rules as something as an archaic fossil of the Middle Ages, huh? You know, that's uh, It's dangerous. So your thirteen-year-old daughter, she comes home a little bit later, and she says, "My lo- my name is not Guadalupe, and I'm, I'm na- my name is John. I've changed my sex, you have to respect me as such." Would you like that? Well, that's where we're heading. That's where we're heading, yeah. Oh, my my name used to be Rosa, but now it's it's Billy Boy. Call me Bill, huh? Could happen. Behind her back. Could happen. And then two years later, she wants to detransition. She wants to go back to being Rosa. But she's ruined herself. So we're trying to point out What the truth is and the many errors are. And that's part of the oblate charism to point out the many heresies in the modern world. That's part of my charism as as an oblate. To pull the mask off the devil who is the father of lies. John chapter 8 from the beginning. Father of lies. Okay, can we move on? Alright. Narcissism is becoming... A very common word in the American English language. Okay, I think it's almost being—it's being a hackneyed, det- hackneyed trite phrase. is being used too much. But um, I wonder if any any of you know the 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 literary origin of of narcissism. You know, there is a—it's a—it's a Greek myth. It's a Greek myth in which you have someone looking, the name of this person was, was Narcissus. And he was looking into a pond and he saw an image of himself and he fell in love with the image of himself reflected in the pond. You hear me? That's the, that's the literary origin of the word narcissism. <laughs> So what is a narcissist? A narcissist is someone that's in love with himself. He's in love with himself. Another psychological word would: you're 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 an egomaniac. Instead of theology, John is meology. <laughs> like that one? Instead of theology, it's meology. Instead of the blessed trinity, the egotistic you know what the egotistic trinity is? it's not in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit it's me, myself and I so that's the egotistic <laughs> trinity me, myself and I I'm the big man on campus, I'm the big cheese I'm the big man no? Yeah, it's all the same thing putting yourself first Putting yourself as the center of attention, you become an egomaniac, huh? And wokeism is very much related to that. I'm the center of attention. So a lot of these words are very applicable to what's going on in the modern society, and your children, your children are are absorbing this by the culture. So we try to disintoxicate your children at least at least an hour a week. <laughs> And I try to disintoxicate you adults at least one one hour a week. At least it's something, right? Hello? At least it's something. We can. We have to do our little. They say mi granito de arena. You see in Argentina, give our little bit, right? Amen. So okay, let's move on to subjectivism. That's a good one. Subjectivism means that myself as the subject, I am the source of truth. Myself as a subject, I'm the ultimate source of truth. So let's move on. Sentimentalism. This is very common among the young people today. You know what they say? Yeah. I have to do what my heart tells me. Ever hear that, baby? <laughs> I have to. I have to follow my heart. Very dangerous. Go go to work in a fa- uh in a, in a fabric of, uh, and. I'm a married man. I have to follow my heart because there's a good looking babe there and I have a one man when I stand with her. huh? I've got to follow my heart. Got to follow my feelings. If it feels good, I just do it. Very common today. If it's If it feels good, then it's good. Well, is that always true? Do you think when Jesus was nailed to the cross, when they nailed him to the cross, when they scourged him, do you think that felt good? Hello, anyone home? Did 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 that feel good? Of course not. But it was the will of the Heavenly Father. Now eventually, some, some, some of you have little ones, but some of you have children that are older, teenagers. How many of you have some teenagers? Almost all of you. Eventually, they prob, probably, they probably will be called to get married one day. That's the normal vocation. Most. Not all. Hopefully get a couple of priests, no? I hope. But most are called to the married life. As most of you are. Very important decision. Very important decision. You choose your future spouse. You can't can't simply follow feelings. But you have to follow also faith and reason. I'm trying to teach all the people that I'm educating. You got to follow faith and reason, and not simply your feelings. Faith. What What does God say? Reason. Use your intellect. God has given you mind. Use it. Don't check it out. Don't check out at midday. <laughs> You you what does God say about this? So your, your son is madly in love with this girl. She's a knockout. Very beautiful. But she's a Jehovah Witness. Hey. No, she's a Jehovah Witness. have ah, father. She's just, she is a knockout. She's a Jehovah Witness. So even though she's the essence of beauty, she's going to be Miss Miss Hollywood in two thousand twenty-five, maybe. Still, using using faith and reason. Okay, she's a she's a knockout, but she's not she's not for your son. So you have to teach your kids to use, you have to use their mind and what what does God think about this but also using your mind. And with wokeism and sentimentalism and subjectivism, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Very difficult. Hasn't happened yet but I think if your son or daughter wants to have a novia... Bring them to me and let me check it out. I think I have better criteria than you parents. Much better, because you're sometimes swayed by feelings and emotions. For me, it's pure faith and reason. Faith and reason. You marry you marry someone that's going to help you to get to heaven and help your kids to get to heaven, right, John? Someone that's going to help you to get to heaven, but also a bridge by which your children to get to heaven. Your kids are—I mean, some of your your kids are 16, 17, 18. Some of you have kids that maybe are in their 20s, right? You want to help them to, to follow this criteria. I'm not saying that you know your, your son has to marry a dog, as we say in New York, no. But there has to be there has to be faith, there has to be reason as a primary criteria, and the sharing of the Catholic faith. I mean, I know what your son is going to say. I know it's gonna say. Comes to me, yeah, Father. She's a Jehovah Witness. She's very beautiful, but I'm gonna convert her. It's gonna be the other way around. Often it's the other way around. As you're barely practicing her faith. She goes to Kingdom Hall, she's walking down the street with one of her friends knocking on doors the past four years. You can barely, you can barely name five of the commandments and they're all in disorder anyway. So she's living her faith much more than you. You think you're the converter? You're not even living your faith. You can have, you can have four or five kids that are Jehovah Witnesses on their highway to hell. huh? <laughs> it's really important, my friends, that we were not guided by our mere, our mere feelings. Or oh, this one is sometimes saying in Spanish. Yo voy a rezar cuando me nace. Read that baby? Cuando me nace. How do you translate that baby? <laughs> cuando me nace. Dif- difficult to, tra- when it's born within me would be the literal translation. But I'm going to pray only when I feel like it, huh? when I well it it, it may it may may n- never nasty because you're born you're born a flojo you're born lazy you are lazy you're die lazy you No, know, so it's never going to happen sometimes we got to force ourselves to pray even when we don't feel like it you hear me and that can sometimes be the best prayer because it's done out of love not out of feelings did Jesus feel like praying when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Did he feel like praying when he was on the cross? But he prayed anyway. We want to have, we want to pray for what's called a mystical touch where God touches us and convinces us that God exists and he's the center of our life. It's called a mystical touch. I, I received it when I was a little kid. Thanks be to God, no? A mystical touch where the Holy Spirit touches us And convicts us as to His presence that He's the most important thing in the world. Pray for your kids. Maybe they're praying, seeing a movie, hearing a talk in catechism, making their first communion or confession. They're touched to believe that God is real and He's the meaning of their life. You parents have to pray for that. Offer, offer masses. Your first, you know, the the birthday of your kids. What are you going to give them? Bring them to Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, fine. Bring them to Chuck E. Cheese, but offer a mass for them even more. Offer a mass for them. One mass is worth more than the whole universe. So be aware of these these idols that are out there. Hey, move on. Okay. Machismo. Machoism. Macho. It's out there. It's out there. Meet these machos. The macho, he never does wrong. His wife is always at fault. No matter what. And you know some. And you know, a, a macho, really, it's a facade behind his own insecurity. You hear me? It's a facade. It's a mass behind his own insecurity. So he wants to dominate because he's really insecure with who he is. But a, a man, a married man, allowing his wife to go to college and to get a college degree, beautiful. Doesn't happen. But say for example you've got a pretty good mind. Maybe you're forty, you want to maybe go to Cerritos or Cyprus and pick up an AA degree. And then maybe even a BA. The husband's supporting you to get that, you got a winner of a husband. But the husband is no, 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 no. Don't think don't even think about that. And he does that because he's insecure that maybe maybe she's going to get a college degree and make more, more money than you. Hello? That's what's going on in the heart. And he won't admit it because of his orgullo, his pride, no? But he doesn't want her to be bringing more money home. That's emasculating. So, if you're... Guys, you're married, let your wife develop her talents to the max. Amen? Amen. You hear me? Yes. And your, your wife has talents. Hey? Develop those talents to the max. You know what I'll do often with, with the Mexi- Mexican women? I'll say, you know, you've got a good mind, so you can go to college. Or they come to me, hey, you know, you can learn English oh no don't. yes you can I put that in English oh no no yes you can so I motivate her goes to school for a couple years she come back speaking of, not a perfect English but a really good English hey that's great now when you come home from school and your kids are speaking in English you understand what they're saying they bring a waiver home you're able to understand interpret it Maybe you hear something on TV, it's English, you're able to pick up 75% of it. Man. Because really, if, uh, you, you, really if, you're, if you're in this country, don't get angry at me, you should try to learn English. Hello? I was in Argentina, they were merciless to me. I not only speak Spanish, but I speak in Argentinian Spanish. And they would laugh at me. It hurt. Here's a guy with three degrees and he's already in his thirties and they're laughing and man, I had to eat humble pie for a good year, you no? Know? It's good, man. I was, I was humble. Very humble, you no? Know? But thanks be to God because of hard work, you now I'm able to speak a, what was a perfect Spanish? You know? American accent, but my, my Spanish is very good. Grammar, right? but it was a lot of work. So a lot of us can develop our talents and a machoistic man wants his wife just to make the tacos, tortillas and just shut up. Coyote. That's ugly. Many women have a lot of capacity to develop a lot of talents and with a machoistic husband they're aplastada. Ugly. Right? I mean... So, I, is, Maybe it's even in your family. Maybe you're married to a guy like that and he just wants to crush you, no? Ugly, very ugly, no? All the talents that we have, we should try to develop them to the very max. Right, John? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm cutting pretty close to the bone, am I? Am I not, huh? Okay, feminism. You're brought up in the American culture. I understand it very well in the Anglo society. So, feminism. Okay, I I I'd I'd say it this way. Now, a lot of you women, you work. Some of you might be professionals. Okay, what's more important? Your role as a mother or your role as a dental assistant or a teacher? Can't hear you. The American says, "Uh uh-uh. The Anglo says, "Uh uh-uh. First, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an engineer, I'm a professional. Then, after that, I don't agree with it. Some of you will probably disagree with me in that, but I have a right to my own opinion. And I'm speaking from experience, I wouldn't be here if my mom were probably not at home with us. I think with all the energy they have, I think I had more energy than your kids, I probably would have burnt the house, no? In fact, I was able to come home, she's able to receive me and my brothers and give her some chocolate, some cookies, and we'll be able to go out and play for three hours and have a nice dinner together. Then, I mean, having her home was a real blessing. I'm not saying that you as women, if you have to work, you have to work because of the economic situation. I'm not saying that. But I really believe we have, to, we have to revalue the importance of being a mother. How many mothers here? That's the greatest thing in the world, after being a daughter of God. You hear me? It might be that's the first time you've ever heard that in your life, what I'm telling you right now fact that your mother is huge. May God bless you as a mother. Bless you as a mother. It's hard work. I was brought up and raised with nine. <laughs> My mom had it four teenagers four teenagers at the same time. That was hard work. My mom barely could go to the bathroom. Four boys in a row, okay? But she was happy because she recognized she was recognized that she was called to be a mother and a spouse. She wanted to become a nun, but my, my, my dad grabbed and said, no, 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 you're going to be my wife. <laughs> and God gave her a son as a priest, yours truly, no? I think because of her saying yes to marriage, God gave her a son who's a priest, and that's Padre Escobita, no? So, you as, you as mothers, very, very important, how many mothers here? Okay. Is it easy to be a mother? No. Is it? No. no. In a lot I, I know, I know most of you you're good mothers. Are you perfect? No, you're not perfect. But no, work on trying to be the best mother in the world. Amen? I'm trying to be the best priest in the world. I mean, I'm far away from it, but I'm working on it. I'm not called to be a biological father. I'm called to be a priest. And I work on it hard every day. haven't arrived, but I'm on the way, I hope. So you who are mothers, some are grandparents, try to be the best mother you possibly can. And your husband's help her to be the best mother possible. Hello? You hear me? (laughs) Don't put a roadblock, okay? (laughs) Don't put a roadblock. Help your wife to be the best mother and spouse. Don't put any roadblock, huh? And you help him to be the best husband in the world, the best father. You hear me? It's mutual. It's mutual. You know, my friends, we got one life to try to be. be as Matthew Kelly points of try to be the best version in the world that God has designed for you. Amen. Amen. Can be done. With God's grace. Okay, let's move on. Communism. Communism. Putting the political state as the center of society. And I would like you to put next put next to communism atheism. What would happen if you were born in North Vietnam? Where would you be? You wouldn't be here now, would you? What would be, happen if you were born in North Korea? Wouldn't be here. How about you were born in in China? You're born in Russia. You're born in Cuba. Man, we, we, we take it for granted the fact that we live here. Can you imagine, okay, in, in, you know, China you got about 1.4, 1. 1.4, 1. 4, 1. 1.5, 1. 1.5, close to 1.5 billion. That's a lot. Communism. The denial of God. And you profess your belief in God, then you're thrown in jail. And sometimes tortured. And then put to death. And in this, in this country, I'm not going to give you a course on political science, but we're heading, in a certain sense, we're kind of heading in that direction. Which is kind of scary. Kinda of scary. Well, we haven't arrived at that yet. But what are they teaching in some of the universities? they well, are they teaching in some of the So that's another thing. When you, when your children decide to go to college, I would say come and talk with me before. I'll give you, uh, your kid, 10 or 15 minutes. I was born here. I have a college degree. My family is very much dedicated to education. I'll give you kid ten or fifteen minutes. I'll give give some advice. Free advice. Because after choosing your spouse, the most important thing would be to choose where you're going to go to college and what your profession is. Your daughter your daughter your your daughter goes to Whitney, okay? Got a four point oh, not bad, huh? Okay, she sends her transcript in, she ah, she got into Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, the three Ivy League colleges on the East Coast. She goes there, but after two years, she's lost her Catholic faith. She graduates, she's got a degree from Harvard. She lands a job within two years, making triple figures, huh? But your daughter has lost her faith, and she's gonna lose her soul for all eternity. She got a college degree, but she's gonna go and lose her soul. Is it really worth it? Hello? No. Go to hell here. Satan, look, I got the degree from Harvard, Satan. You're gonna take it and throw it in the fire. It's gonna burn. These are very important decisions that you have to make as parents. I wonder if you really discern these decisions before you make it. Sometimes I doubt it a little bit. And when you die, God is going to say, what did you do to get your kids to heaven? Get ready for it. Jesus is going to sit in front of you and you say, what did did you do to get your kids to heaven? That's going to be one of the first questions. Take that for granted. Remember what Father Broom said there in St. Peter Chanel, 2023. What he said is true? Now let me ask you, what did you do to get your kids to heaven? Hopefully you're going to do all you possibly can to get these kids to heaven. Amen? All you possibly can underneath the sky to get them into heaven. Yeah, um, she says, just teach them. Well, in a certain sense, what you're saying is, once they're 18, in this country, they are adults. They can decide to leave your home, and they can do whatever they want. Very few 18-year-olds are sufficiently independent that they can live by themselves. Okay, very few are. So, however, if you know, some of you may not agree with this. But if they're 18 and they don't want to obey the rules of the house, then okay, you got to go. And what I hear often is, you have your 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 son or daughter 21, bringing his girlfriend into the house and living with his girlfriend underneath the same roof. Wow, I can't believe it. Very common, maybe among some of you here. You're crazy. Then you got little kids. you got your seven or eight year old kid is sleeping next to your son with his girlfriend and they're making love at night and your son can hear that. Talk about a scandal. That's terrible. You're killing your little eight year old by doing that. You're killing him. That's a millstone award. Have the millstone around your neck and it'd be thrown in the depths of the sea. About the strongest thing that Jesus says in the Bible, you know, you have you have a right to watch over your little kids. They're older ones are giving bad example. Look, you got to leave. You hear me? You want to get married in the church? Okay, get married in the church. You you are with your wife. You have your first baby. Fine. But well, you're just living together, shacking out, and you're doing this in front of your little brother. This is wrong. This is a scandal. This is wrong. We gotta, we, we have to defend the little ones. I want to be the voice of the little one mid, probably more than you. I want to defend these little kids from the attacks of the wild lions that are on the prowl. Wolves, better said. Let's do it the way God wants us to do it. Okay. So, there we have that. Nazism. Put in parentheses, Adolf Hitler. You've heard of Adolf Hitler? And to put next to that, the the supremacy, the supremacy of the race, in which Hitler wanted to get rid get rid of who. Everyone that was not white, you might write wasp, white, Anglo-Saxon, and Protestant. Well, some of you have brown eyes and brown skin, you're a goner. I would be saved, but they would kill me. I'm white, I got blue eyes, I got kind of blonde hair, but they would kill me, you know why? Because I'm a priest. It's racism. That's really what it is. Racism still exists in many forms. Yeah, right. There's a lot of racism out there. You know, what's against racism is the gospel of love. Jesus, Jesus said, "Love one another as I have loved you." So, the color of the skin, the ethnic group, the height. The intellectual acumen and the lack of it. That's important. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. We can say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. And all of us are brothers and sisters by the same Heavenly Father. Amen? That's the way we have to see it. Loving everyone. Because God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. And all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. So every time we say the Our Father, this is a universal brotherhood and sisterhood that we have to try to maintain. Is this helpful? Is it? Yes. So I'm trying to apply these modern idols to your world where your children are living. Let's try to open up our eyes to see the many wolves that are out there. But to follow... Jesus Christ, who is a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and there is nothing I shall want. So let's turn to Our Lady Guadalupe. We celebrated Lady Guadalupe yesterday. That she'll pray for us and help us to be good cho- good parents to our children and bring them to the heart of God. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for our sinners now at the hour of The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in the church of Peter with our with our children.